Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Definitely as well. Let's take it down before YouTube takes us down just for appreciating good composers. Welcome back, guys. It is episode 191 of Box Office Bingers. If you don't, if you haven't figured it out, that is the song from the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer. Matt, can you uh, give us some background? You, you, right before the show, you gave us some information about that. Uh, yeah, the, the song is called Stadium Pow Wow. A, was it the Holocon? The Holocon Nation? Hallucination? Nation. Uh, featuring. Who's the other person? Black nope. Bear? I'm about to play the song myself. Black Bear, yeah. Featuring Black Bear. Yeah, that's a bop. I did not. I, I don't remember ever seeing that in the trailer himself. Uh, Robert. Uh, now they go back. Robert. Robert. This tape is Robert. Uh, Ro- Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Robertson uh, is the composer for uh, our uh, Killers of Flower Moon and the movie that we are, are reviewing for this week. Uh, he did a great job with the, Absolutely. with the score. I will open the top. The score was pretty, pretty good for this movie. Um, but if you're not, if you're unaware of what this movie is, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, directed by the Academy Award winner director Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Now, we've Scorsese. Uh, we've uh, we've talked to him. We talked about him numerous times. Unfortunately, not about his work, but the things that he's <laughs> uh, with, <laughs> uh, with comments on how the industry is and Marvel in particular. Um, and he has some words to say about that. But for today, we're going to put that on the table. We're going to put that aside, and we're actually going to go over his work. And we have four, but now we're going to do this again. Your favorite movie. Um, about my favorite movie, yes. Um, if for any reason you don't know who Martin Corsese is, he is the director behind oh my, yes. uh, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The, the Wolf of Wall Street, and... Yeah. <laughs> um, there's... <laughs> Didn't he also do Cape Fear? He's yes, he did. The... You're right. He did movie. do Cape Fear. Um, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. Work is legendary beyond belief, and he is he's getting up there in age, and he's still making movies. So good for him. Good for still contributing to cinema, no matter what you have to say about it. Uh, it, the movie, so uh, Martin Corsese wrote and directed this movie. The movie was also written by Academy Award winner Eric Roth, who's behind 
his work and his words are behind Forrest Gump, Ali, Munich, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, A Star is Born, and Dune, Part 1. I guess it's, they call it Dune, but it's, I guess it's yeah, Part 1. Yeah, it's Dune Part 1. Uh, Ernesto, for bonus points, it is on the screen right now. It's on our rundown. Can you name the Academy Award that Martin Corsese won? He's only won one for directing which movie you see on... It's listed there. I'm curious if you can try to. Are you gonna put me on the spot? Like, <laughs> uh, I think I think. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! I think it's between two. I wanted Wolf of Wall Street. What's the other one? Uh, the Departed. And you would be correct on that. The one. Departed was the one that won. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the part that won. Yeah. yeah. He won. I think that one for Best Picture as well. But he won for Best Director. And then for even more bonus points, I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, Eric Roth, also an Academy Award winner. Which one do you think he won? Ooh. The Academy Award. Forrest Gump. Of yeah. course, of course. Yeah. My second guess, <laughs> my second guess would have been um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Probably would have been my second guess. Yeah, yeah. But needless to say, these two, these two uh, creators are no stranger to the Academy Awards, and I think. I think it's safe to say, Ernesto, no matter what our feelings are toward, and we're going to be talking about our thoughts of Killers of Flower Moon later on in the, uh, in the, in the podcast, later on in the show. Um, but I think it's safe to say that the Academy is going to be looking at this movie during the awards. Well, they look at any time. Oh, yeah. His movie is always, oh, 90%. I mean, I, I'd have to look, but I mean, more or less, his movies are always nominated. Yes. Yeah. We have the cast of Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Jesse Plemons, who I think most of them are also no strangers mm. to the Academy. Yeah, this feels Oscars all over, all over the place, and it is being hot season for, uh, you know, for all the awards that's coming out. So this is not going to be the last time we talk about it. But before we dive into all of Ernesto, we got we some sure news do. to talk about. First and foremost, um, Gargoyles is coming back to Disney+. Plus. The beloved animated series that originally aired for three seasons from 1994 to 1997 is getting rebooted as a live-action TV series for Disney+. Plus. Gary Doberman, showrunner for Swamp Thing and screenwriter for Annabelle 1 through 3, The Nun, and It Chapter 1 and 2 will serve as writer, producer, and showrunner for the new series, alongside James Wan, who will serve as executive producer under his Atomic Monster production company. Uh, I'm very excited for this. Uh, Gargoyles was, like, one of my favorite cartoons growing up. And uh, hopefully Keith mm-hmm. David will be involved, because he was the voice of the original Gargoyle, of, like, the main character. I can't... His name escapes me right now. Yeah, I, I can't imagine... Uh, it's involved or them not, not reaching out to him or any of the voice cast for that matter to to continue to come back to reprise their roles i think coming back is for a live action show is yeah absolutely fantastic. i love i love this idea it, it's it, it's weird because it's not many things that i i want to like i mean disney as always has just been going down the train of uh just rebooting everything but this one i could stand by this one this one i feel like there's been enough time and they haven't really touched this property for a long time so i think it's safe to to say yeah we can definitely go after this and reboot it i think there's other properties i'm like ah, ah, it's too soon 
we shouldn't we shouldn't do that too soon uh but i think i think this one so i just yeah I'm yeah same i just looked up the voice the original voice cast so yes keith david he played goliath um let's see mm-hmm. another that i recognize um tim curry jd daniels that's the only two that's the only ones i recognize but mm. i mean keith david is a voice acting legend um so i'm totally, yes, totally looking forward to this yeah hopefully they don't screw it up but james wan is involved with it which is also quite interesting that we we talked about not too long ago that james wan and his atomic monster production company signed an exclusive deal to work with universal and with Blumhouse, you know, movies there. But I guess also within that contract, I guess you're free to work independently on other projects. And it seems like this is one of them. Mm. So that's good for him to work out a deal that he left Warner Brothers, made a deal with Universal, and still able to work on other projects now for Disney. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, good for him. I know his next film that we get to uh, uh, put our eyes on is uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, I believe it's called. <laughs> Lost so, Kingdom, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still uh, haven't. I still have. I have yet to see the first one. It, it's it's really not bad. I know a lot of people are worried about Aquaman two because it's been in production hell for forever, and now it's under the well Shazam, the Flash, and Blue Beetle one are all that great. So and not only lot, that, this whole Amber Heard mess. Yeah, and plus there were some. I mean, there was like you know like celebrity gossip news these past couple weeks about um their set on behavior jason momoa set on set behavior like coming dressed as johnny depp to set and (laughs) and like reportedly being drunk like it's like great i can't wait to watch this train wreck (laughs) (laughs) right it feels like that uh it feels like that movie from last year this is like that movie that last year um uh, don't worry darling Oh, um, uh, don't worry, darling. Yes, this feels like a, a huge train wreck yeah. of a movie just like that. Um, you know what I'm here for? Uh, technically, the movie under the Snyderverse and whatever DC is now, this, uh, you know what? Why not? Why not? We'll see. There's been so much drama around it, and also just DC in general as James Gunn is prepping for his own universe. So why not just go out with a bang and everything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for James Wan, I I trust his work. I haven't. I really need. I'm really sleeping on like his work. Like I hadn't seen a lot of his horror movies. Maybe next year. I know that the 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 Halloween spooky horror seasons were kind of winding down. I'm gonna things which I'll talk about later, but. The Conjuring, all that stuff I haven't gotten to. Mm. So maybe, maybe next year that would be priority is to maybe catch some of the more modern stuff that's beginning a lot of popularity. That would have been a good one years. for you to explore, um, like especially during spooky season. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. But maybe I'm hoping that if they get the ball rolling on this, maybe by by fall of next year, I think Gargoyles will be a great spooky-ish show to watch during this season. Um, it depends, but it, I can see it as being spooky to how, depending how they work, how they do it. Um, but yeah, I remember loving the show growing up, so I'm I'm happy that they are revisiting this, and hopefully Same. they do it justice. From that, James McAvoy, uh, did you did you meet him at MegaCon, or was it just 
David. I met him with David, and it was. Uh, you met him with David. It was not a good experience. Did not leave a good That's taste right. in my mouth. I do remember that. Uh, well, he is set to make his directorial debut on a movie about the true story of two Scottish lads from Dundee cook industry by adopting American accents and, and pretending to be established Californian rap. Uh, Sisablin and brains. Syllabillum brains. Syllabillum brains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the in the late nineties, Gavin Bain and Billy Boyd had their musical ambitions consistently ridiculed accents for uh, for the wrong accents. So they went for broke and reinvented themselves as California rappers. The current movie will show how the duo re-recorded their own tracks with fake accents. And turned up in London, claiming, uh, climbing, turned up in London, climbing to be an established duo in the Cali scene, as well as childhood friends with Eminem. They quickly uh, bagged themselves a record deal, a hefty sum of advances, and an appearance on MTV until it all came crashing down. In an interview with Deadline, um, McAvoy said, in part, "I can't wait to bring this absolutely incredible." and very Scottish and Californian story to the cinema. Using Scottish talent behind and in front of the camera is something I'm passionate about, and I'm over the moon to to be making my directorial debut in my homeland. I think there's a lot of cool things about this. Um, one, it's always nice to see an actor turn director. We see that with Michael B. Jordan with the Creed franchise, and it, it made sense that way. And for, a, for an actor to make his directorial debut on a passion project, I think those are also hopefully turn out a good product. He didn't say that he was going to be starring in this, mm. um, um, but it, I don't know, it may or may not seem that way, but I don't know. I think, uh, you know, so what, it was a short that we had watched. I believe it was also from Scotland. Oh, so those two brothers um, about like the, the two brothers. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, name, yeah. a, a but I remember, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, th- I forgot what it was called, but I, I don't think we see a lot of like, Scottish movies, and so I, th- I think this is gonna be something good. Uh, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran was that Scottish? I think that was Irish. Irish, okay, yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of promise here, and I'm always down for uh, actor turned director, and maybe he could be a good one. I like his work, especially in the X Men franchise and what he did with Split. Um, yeah, I think yeah. he's a I think he's a fantastic actor. I just I wish my experience with him was better, but. I can separate, you know, the actor from the person. So, because, right, like, right. professionally, I love his work. Like you were just saying. Yeah. Split, everything he did for X-Men. Like, so, I'm, I'm down to see what he can do. You know? It's probably, it'll yeah. probably be good. So, yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping it is. Yeah. Moving on. Daniel Radcliffe is going to be an ex- executive. He's going to be executive producing a new HBO documentary about his former Harry Potter stunt double, David Holmes, who was left paralyzed after an accident on the set of Deathly Hollows Part One. The documentary titled "David Holmes: The Boy Who Lived" will tell the story of the prodigious team gymnast who starred as Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double on the first six Harry Potter films until a tragic accident occurred on set leaving him paralyzed with a debilitating spinal injury. The documentary will show more about his experiences living with adversity and growing up presenting candid personal footage shot over the last decade 
behind the scenes material from home stunt work, scenes of his current life, and intimate interviews with date with David with David Radcliffe, friends, family, and former crew. Um, I think this is going to be an incredible documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just for the award season. I, I just think on uh, just on a personal level, like maybe Daniel Radcliffe feels almost pers- like personally responsible you know what i mean like yeah. like obviously he didn't force him to do it but just like somebody who's supposed to be playing as you because they don't want you to do it and look what happened to them like right. so I, you know i'm real i would be i would i i want to watch this because i'm curious about daniel radcliffe's view on just on stunt work in general having gone through this experience even just as a bystander like and like we'll get to see what obviously what David's life is going to be like. I think yep. this has, this is potential to be a, a, an incredible documentary. Absolutely. I, I saw this story and I was like, damn, this looks really good. This sounds really good. I, I heard that. Um, I'm not sure what it's called, but I, I believe I heard like David Holmes has a podcast and Daniel Radcliffe has been on it several times talking about various things. And, um, and yeah, I think this is just a really, you know, as fans of Harry Potter, right, and as fan of movies, the thing that kind of falls short and we don't really think about are, are the stunt doubles and the 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 sacrifices and the risk they take every day to make sure that their race is, you know, not doing those dangerous stunts. And they are doing the dangerous stunts to make the movies that we love yeah. look so good. So the fact that now this is not only putting a highlight on his life and also for anyone who's a Harry Potter fan, this is just some great, uh, interesting things time uh, any background on stuff. Like if we can get hyped around the Harry Potter reunion that aired on HBO max, like two years ago. And because the crowd, like all the cast is getting back together. And if we get for an hour about, yeah, I remember when I did that one thing, I think everyone can get behind someone who literally gave his life. To, to the craft. Did you watch and, a reunion? Um, I didn't. No, I honestly I don't really connect with reunions that much because it's I I mean that that's gonna be like, like groundbreaking. But, I, I don't know. I ha- I, I haven't I either. Have, but I'm almost curious if they even bring this up in in the reunion. Right. It, probably not. I'm gonna be. I, I don't yeah, know. I, no I don't idea. know. It seems like um, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious. I almost want to watch it just to see, cause I like it was weird to that, cause you know, uh, J.K. Rowling wasn't a part of it, and then right, Dan and did was Daniel Radcliffe there? I don't see. I don't even remember. Like the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the the main the main three were there as well as other cast members that were available, um, but yeah, I wouldn't do it if if they weren't involved in it. To be honest True. with you, True. um. Like twenty years of the franchise, um, of the movies, I should say. Yeah. Hey, um, we're getting rebooted. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, I still hate that. Don't <laughs> remind me. Uh, it's so stupid. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this is something that good. That a lot of good can come out of this. If maybe for those who didn't know out of what happened during the set of that, that um, how he was able to, like they said, you know, living with adversity, growing up with with this, and. Um, the the incident itself what he was doing and maybe he could also shed some light on stunt mm. because they are you know the unsung heroes of a lot of these action movies that we go out and money on 
that gets all this, you know, millions of dollars are being made, and they are contributing. And more often than not, we mainly talk about the actors, directors, but, you know, the stunt doubles don't get a lot of time to shine. And so I think this this, this movie, if done appropriately, which I think it will, um, could shed some light onto that uh, part of the movie-making experience. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, not much news going on. Uh, the last bit of news we have for you guys this week um, is, as expected, we have more delays to report, most likely due to the sag after strike. But Paramount Pictures said, hey, we're delaying Mission Impossible. That's what's happening. Uh, they're delaying Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning for nearly a year, an entire year. The film will now be released May 23rd, 2025, being pushed back from its previous release date of June 28th. 2024 so yeah i honestly uh that's probably a good thing in my opinion like i don't think we needed another mission impossible a year later you know if it needed if it needed time to breathe to just to work on extra things for whatever the reason was if you're if you're if it's for the sag after strike and because you're delayed on filming that could be a reason but i think delaying it by another year can give it time If, if this is the final movie in the franchise then yeah, give it next year, do it right. We just got one. The fans are all right. We can wait two years for the yeah. next one. Um, what seemed odd to me was that following this announcement, it, <laughs> it, it when they made this announcement, it appears that they dropped the second half of its title. So when they said Mission Impossible is going to be delayed, they didn't mention Dead Reckoning Part 2. They just said Mission Impossible. Uh, a new title is going to be announced at a later date. But why? <laughs> so why call it Dead Reckoning Part 1? Because then we're going to always be like, well, where's Dead Reckoning Part 2? Part 2, right. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a bad call. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the process of filming the second movie, you might have a different, I don't know, thought for the ending, but... I don't know. You've already you've already committed to yeah. it. It's 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 like unless <laughs> unless when like the Blu-rays are coming out or when you're looking for this movie, it would just be called Dead Reckoning, and then and maybe it will be titled something else. And like but, a, but it's obviously well, like the other one, like the other movie that he also was in, where like it's the the movie the like the movie literally had like two names. What was it? It was Edge of Tomorrow, and it. It lived, I repeat. It's like, well, what's the name of the movie? <laughs> yeah, that that and that marketing really squashed that movie for for all of that. It's a good movie. The, it was first called Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie for the ending though. But for the most part, it was a good movie. It just it went from Edge of Tomorrow, then it went to Live Die I Repeat when they came out to home video, and then and then they eventually changed because people were confused about what the movie was and then they changed it to live die repeat colon it's like it's both <laughs> i don't know where the, it's the, <laughs> somebody got fired for that i was like I don't, where, <laughs> to me why would you change the t- the movie's out you did it it's yeah done. just stick to one <laughs> you just stick to it like like it's too bad it's almost like you know what it would have been better for a title of this like, ah that yeah. sucks man you're right that would have been a better title Let's do no. it. No, let's not let's, do that. We don't just we already it. we already dedicated to one, so let's just we've already committed, so let's just go with what we got. It's like, nah, let's change gears. Let's do both. <laughs> let's do both. Yeah. I, they they should have just left. 
it. It is what it is. No one's going to care. Everyone's already assumed that it's going to be a part two. I am actually very curious what the title is going to be now. I'm assuming they have to drop the part one when you're marketing this movie, like, for home video now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It will be very interesting to see. Weird move on my... That's a, it's a weird call. You shouldn't be changing t- titles when they're already made. Agreed. You, you already made that vote. It is what it is. Um, anyway. Uh, Paramount Picture also delayed A Quiet Place Day 1. Just by a few months, it will now be released on June 28th, 2024, taking that uh, previous release date for Mission Impossible. Um, instead from its a previous release date of March 8th, 2024. So just by, let's, uh, what's, what's math? What's, what, what's month math? Or April, May, June. Just by yeah. three months. So That's fine. Uh, no, no big deal there. Yeah, we're all we're gonna be okay with that. I am looking forward to this movie though. Um, awesome. Um, yeah, uh, a quiet place day one. I think it's starring uh, in, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Thank you. Yes, um, it's starring her. I don't. It, I don't think this one's not. It's not directed by uh, John Krasinski. I think. It's oh no. Else. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, it's another director. But I have I have good faith in this in this franchise. I like part one and two. So. Um, yeah, I'm all down for it. Wait a couple months, really yeah. get there. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, that's all the news we have for you guys this week. As always, you can find all the latest media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers or our Facebook and, and threads page at box office bingers. Now we're going to be diving into a fun segment we like to call what you watch. Have you been watching? So I don't have much I have cause I kind of, uh, I kind of binge. I'll start with the one that I binged. Cause it, this was a recommend, recommendation from okay. a, a former friend to the podcast, Christina Watkins. Shout out. She came on when she came on last okay. year. So she recommended a show on Apple TV Plus called Blackbird with Taryn Egerton and Paul Walter Heiser, Greg Kinnear. Um, it mm-hmm. is incredible. Like <laughs> It is quite possibly one of the best TV shows I've seen this year. Um, really? A hundred percent. That came out last yeah. year too. It's a mini series, and it's um, Taron Egerton starts James or Jimmy Keen. This is based. This is a true story. He's sent to jail yeah. on a drug charge, and it follow. They they see the good in him. To they see his skills as an asset, so they want to use him to to get this guy Larry Hall to give them information about these murders that they think that he committed. And they think that this guy can like get it out of him. Like, you know, he's just one of those people. He seems to be one of those people who can, who's really good at profiling. Like he's really good at talking to people. He can like really read people when he talk, really talks to them to try to get, and he's good at getting information out of them. So they use him and he goes from this minimum security prison to what this basically how they describe this prison is hell like they they describe this maximum security prison as literal hell where he has to go in there and become buddy buddy with this psychopath like and he has to and it just follows the story of of this case and kind of where we're at and there there the case is still unsolved there's parts of it that are still unsolved cuz because oh. of thing think of what transpires in this show and it it is it's incredible. It absolutely is. Incredible. It also stars Ray Liotta, one of his last roles. Um, it was, so it was very nice to see him. They did it. Mm-hmm. One of the episodes has it in, in loving memory for him. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's, this is definitely going up on this year's uh, top list. I don't yeah, know where I, yet, but it's up there. <laughs> I remember, yeah, it did not win anything. Or this is... This was this year, 
I don't. I'm not sure how. I see that it's been nominated for four Emmys. I don't know if those awards have been. Uh, I don't know if it was for last year's or for this year's awards, uh, for Emmy awards. Um, but I see, yeah, it's it's there for um, best lead actor for Taron Egerton, best supporting actor for Paul Walter Hauser, best supporting actor for Ray Liotta, and outstanding cinematography um, as well. So, yeah, I just don't remember if it was for this year or last year, but th- I remember this limited series coming in out uh, last year, and a lot of people were saying good things about it. Um, yeah, so if you if you haven't seen it, if you're late to the game like me, which is, to me, this is just another example of the beauty of streaming, because mm-hmm. you can, it doesn't really matter if you watch it when it comes out. Because then you can find it, and then it's just like you're almost like you find a hidden gem. And then, like, you're guaranteed to find at least one or two other people who haven't seen it. And that's how the, and that's how the continued growth goes. Like, it, you don't right. necessarily have to catch it right when it comes out. But if you haven't seen it yet, you're definitely sleeping on it. It's incredible. I would, if, you know, but you also have to be into true crime. I guess I also should right. notice that. Like, it, like if, if you watch true crime, this is definitely one to watch. I, I think you made a good point there because this show came out last year and I think at the time it was getting a lot of buzz, you know, for, for, for what Apple TV plus is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people talk, when you think of Apple TV, it was like, Oh, you mean Ted Lasso or the morning show? Yes, I am meaning that, but also there are a whole bunch of other shows the same for any, many of the other streaming services. Like you, you go to Disney plus, you think of the latest Marvel star Wars show, but there are other things that are on there. The same with all the other ones. And I feel like that you're right. There are some that just kind of get lost in the shuffle that after after the dust had settled or you might have heard about and then it's like, oh, I heard this was good. I'm going to put on the list. It stays on the list forever. And then because there's so many things that are coming out, you kind of just push it to the wayside, which I've done many times yep. because I feel like for me, that moment is gone. And I, I like to continue moving forward because if I always focus on looking back, I can never catch up. I, you're always playing that game of catch up, and I hate doing that. Um, and then eventually, when you have like a down moment, it's like I don't think I have anything to watch. That's when you go back to the list and dust that off a little yeah. bit. You're like, oh, what were these other other shows that were heard it was good, but never really gave it a shot? Yeah. Um, it's it sounds like Blackbird was for you, where it's like, oh, it's only six episodes. I'm probably probably a little bit of a drought right now. And I am. Seems like you really. <laughs> <laughs> I am because you know I, there's a lot of other shows that. All the really good shows I'm on hold for. Ahsoka, I can't start because mm-hmm. me and my son, we said we wanted to watch Rebels together. But, you know, he, we keep him busy sure. and I'm busy. So, we, we sure. I mean, we're still on season one, which is fine. And then we're, we don't yeah. care because it's not going anywhere. So, like, it'll, we'll just right. get to it right. whenever we eventually get to it. And then we'll just, you know, we'll progress through Rebels and then we'll eventually watch Ahsoka. And then, you know, I'll be able to give my thoughts on that. Um, what's the other yeah. one? I feel like there's another one. Uh, morning show, like morning shows, what hots right now because yeah. it's week to week, and like it's in the back of our mind because there's there's so many other things that are already on the docket for that. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 just too much television, and it's hard yeah. to prioritize. You'll never watch it all. What? You never watch it all, and like again, when you decide to pr- prioritize on one, then. You know, right now my next my next big binge, I'll even give you a tease, Ernesto, is is the House of the Fall of the Usher, the Mike new Mike Flanagan's new yeah. show. I haven't start I haven't started it yet, but, but my goal is to watch it very soon. That a show is like high priority on my watch list because I'm really Same. interested in it. Um, but even though other shows have came, come out before, 
uh, you know, he's kind of important. So you just keep bringing it down. I also I haven't started Loki yet. So. Neither have I. Oh yeah, I forgot. That was a yeah, that one's there too. <laughs> that was there too. Like again, I think I might have mentioned this last week is that I haven't heard anything, nothing. Typically, especially with Ahsoka and for Secret Invasion, people were like, like there were headlines about it. People were like, and I was getting like little tiny spoilers, and I was like, you know, you know what? People are talking about it. I need to start watching it or else something big is going to get spoiled for me because that's just how my feed is. Um, but for Loki Season 2, it's pretty absent from my feed right now, which I'm thankful because I don't want anything spoiled for me. But at the same time, well, it doesn't guess, feel good, though. I guess it's just all yeah. right. Yeah, I guess no, no one's really talking about it. I guess I, either everything's happening and no one's saying anything or nothing's happening. Therefore, Come no on, man. You expect the Internet to be uh, that quiet. There's no way. I know. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, but yeah, but uh, but I'm glad you were able to find that hidden gem. Yeah, and um, we also finished the Peter Berg show on Netflix, Painkiller, another mm. another incredible miniseries, just well put together. I actually really like the editing. It's very like chaotic. Like it's almost very reminiscent to like like. To like the energy that the company was giving out it was it's very strange but i just felt like it was just all very cohesive the the editing mm. the cinematography the storytelling just kind of the way they did it i think the most powerful thing they did and i kind of mentioned i've mentioned it in previous episodes just the way that they open each episode there's a disclaimer you know they have to give a disclaimer that that certain parts are are fictionalized so you know i was listening to his interview with joe rogan and he was saying that you know that they could have just put a title, the black title card up. But he's like, oh, well, I don't want to give them, I don't want to let them off that easy. So he has mm. this family, just seemingly some person, just reading reading that line. And then they take it a step further and they go, What's, what is real is my significant other, whoever it was, you know, kids, spouses, parents, all afflicted by what Oxycontin did and how it actually, how that drug literally ruined their family. And each episode wow. is a different family. They, they chose a different person, a different family. It was, it was just very powerful. And it, it 100% set the mood for the episode, for every episode as you watched it. It was wow. very powerful. Like I, it, it needs to be nominated for next year. And it's, I would, and if you've seen Dope Sick on Hulu, it's very reminiscent to that. But I would actually say that this is, this is just a lot better. And I, I think they work, they can work comparatively together. Like I feel like they evoke the same message. They, they get across the same message and they're both effective in their own way. But to me, this one, this one's just a little bit edgier. It's just a little bit more, it's a little bit more in your face. Really good performances from Matt, especially from Matthew Broderick. Like he really killed it. And then you just see Agent Coulson in a whole new light because he's also mm. <laughs> he's also in it. Um, so highly, I definitely recommend you put this on your list because it should be talked about in next year's award season. Uh, yeah, because this is considered so many series. So this would be under for the Emmys then. Yeah, or or for uh, the Golden Globes because they also do TV. So I guess those Correct. are the two bigger ones for them. But yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't, aside from you, not a lot of people are talking about this to your point. Um, but I have, when it, when it came out, I did see that it was out and like, it was getting some high praise, but then after that, it kind of just, that was kind of, that was it. I, I yeah. didn't hear anything else about it. Um, 
that's uh that's good i would definitely check it out yeah um and the only other one i'm i've kind of started my new binge which is jack ryan you know yes which is the john krasinski show uh that's great i'm still kind of early on so i'm enjoying it it's 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 good tv so if you haven't seen it i definitely if you're looking for a binge it's definitely it's definitely one to watch but um other than that that's all i got okay um so Megan and I, uh, there's, I think we've, I've talked about the show before, uh, and they just wrapped up with their final season. Uh, Megan and I binged all eight episodes of Sex Education season four. Oh, that's right. Uh, and it's, it came out mid September, I believe. So yeah, we just got around to it, and uh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, this, this, this time around, they, I remember there was a lot of, um, a lot of like articles that i was reading when they were filming the final season that a lot of of characters that were in the first three seasons are not going to be in season four Mm. and i thought that was an interesting move because like we we've we've connected with these characters and their stories and at what happened at the end of season three it, it involved the school and therefore that particular school got shut down for what what was happening at that school and so they had to i guess Story-wise, they were able to, like, they had to go to a different school. Mm. So I guess that was their 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 writing, their, their, like, way to get certain characters out. I don't know if that was intentional, but maybe when they were on the drawing board, maybe they figured that we can probably tell more effective stories if we have less characters to focus on. Or focus on our main characters, since this is the final season, then maybe less on the supporting cast. Um, but also when I, when we were watching the season, they just brought a different supporting cast in on, at the new school. Mm. And I feel like what they were able to do was they, to me, they just really shined a light on like a lot of different relationships and a lot of struggles that either teens could be having or just relationships in general. Um, because they, they focused on like trans couples, gay couples, bi couples, straight couples, um, like, and how sex has an issue not an issue but like how that affects each different person and like the, all the different stories that they were even they even bounced around in religion and and race and religion and what you identify with and how that can either work for your benefit or maybe is struggling um people who are just dealing with a whole bunch of different issues um and it really more than ever and it, and it kind of touched upon the the lgbtq plus community Within season, it was more and more each season, but this season, season four, really hyped it up and it cranked it to 11 and just kind of went for it and just showed all these different kinds of relationships that you can have with all these different types of people. And I think by the end of it, they really did a great job of like highlighting our main cast and giving them a final send off Mm. while also focusing on the new characters that we were with and giving them moments to shine as well and actually giving us the viewer something to care about like within their journey and their struggles so yeah i have nothing but high praise to say about that show um i'm sad that it's over though because not not only did it bring a lot of heart but it also it was so funny Mm. it's it's so funny so i'm uh so yeah if you haven't watched it sex education is a great show it's very funny um it's um I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's like um, Nick. It's N C U T I uh, Gatwa, um, and he's probably he plays Eric on the show, and he's been the highlight through all four seasons. He's good with the new Doctor Who, 
So, and I don't watch Doctor Who, but I thought his performance this season was fantastic, as well as other shows as well, but uh, other seasons. But this season in particular, he really stepped it up a notch. But this was also after the fact that he got Doctor Who, so <laughs> maybe in my, in my eyes is like, hey, I gotta, I gotta step it up a little bit. I'm gonna be the new Doctor soon. So uh, is it so. Nakati Gatwa? Yes. Yeah. 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 Him. Uh, but yeah, he will also be the first gay Doctor, and he and he is he he is. He is a gay person on the show, so, but yeah, I think, I think he's gonna be great in in as the Doctor. And actually, since since Doctor Who is gonna be accessible, um, because I think and uh, Disney Plus signed a deal with BBC to have new episodes air on Disney Plus. So, yeah, it, it's something that I'm interested in. Even though I've never seen Doctor Who, since he's gonna be the new Doctor, mm. I might give the first episode a watch. See how. See how that world is. Oh, like, um, and maybe I might find interest in just, it. Just oh, you mean starting with him, or are you gonna go back yeah, no. and start with, like Christopher Eccleston? No. Hey, that's great TV. Him, David Tennant, Matt Smith. I I dropped off at Peter Capaldi. I don't I don't know. Um, I, but I I'd be interested <laughs> to pick it back up because I heard that the doctor after him that she was that she was much better. So I think uh, Jody. It was Jody something. I couldn't remember. I don't remember. Jody. Foster, Jody Comer, no. Who who's who's the doctor? I think it's Jody Jody Foster right now. Doctor Who. Jo- no, Jody Whitaker. Jody Whitaker is our new doctor. But then they're also doing like specials. Like I saw like they're doing like a yeah. like David Tennant's coming back to do like a three episode special or something. I'm about, so I'm about that. It, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the whole Doctor Who thing is very confusing. If I do decide to dive into it. I'd need like a prep course. Someone, someone give me like a 30 minute video on YouTube. Just give me a crash course of what this show is all about. Because often, every time I look at Doctor Who, I'm like, I'm so lost right now. I don't know. Like the only thing I understand is that it's the same person, different actor, because the doctor can do that. Yes. That was their way to keep the show going. He can, every so often he has to regenerate. And when you regenerate, that's when you change who the doctor is physically. But the still essence okay. of the person, the soul of the of the Time Lord is the same. It's the same spirit, okay. different physical form. Gotcha. Okay, but like, are they all acting the same, or they're all doing different things? Like, they they're there's their version of the Doctor. Yeah, their version. Their, they take okay. on you know okay. each person. They take on their own certain characteristics of the Doctor. Um, Got it. Like, I think like David Tennant. I don't know. See, like I love David Tennant, but Matt Smith. I didn't like him at first, but then he grew on me. Mm. At, at the end like especially him and karen gillian like that was the first place that was the first time i saw her was when she was in doctor who mm-hmm. yeah i did see and then right now it's uh who who, who stars alongside david Tennant? oh uh um Kat, Catherine tate yeah, yeah the girl from uh yeah. she was the one who was in the office the office yeah yeah um yeah i i feel like i've i've never watched a single episode of doctor but a lot of people say some good stuff about it so like honestly if i were to start anywhere when when did david Tennant start who, who was first david Tennant or matt or matt smith well david Tennant was before matt smith but before him was um christopher ecclestein i think his name is okay um i i feel like i would probably start with david Tennant because that's the one that i feel like that's more modern i don't i can't see myself going way back <laughs> 
see, way but, I can see myself doing that. But when see, because Christopher Eccleston, I think it's Eccleston, is what I found. Uh, he was the ninth Doctor when it revived in two thousand five. But that that was like like a really good season. <laughs> like like yeah, argue yeah. like even though he was he was very short lived. Like they gave him like really like a really good storyline like it was really really good like it was like almost top tier like it those first three doctors or for me were like the best at least in my opinion i'm sure everybody else has has their opinions sure sure but um, that's that's be yeah, where, it, that's where i would start is when the at the start of the revival okay all right fair enough um i'll take your word on it because like are they are they really taking like that many storylines from like many many years ago go and they're just like constant thing or can you just jump in when a new doctor you could probably on? jump in when a new doctor jumps on because everything everything gets it's like comic books it can just be re-referenced you can just you can go back and watch it later okay. and still enjoy it i mean because i technically that's, that's, jumped that's, that's in true. in the ninth when the ninth doctor when it on during the revival but even during throughout the show they would give like hints and callbacks to the original series to the first nine doctors the first eight okay. doctors excuse me fair enough um yeah, there, I think there's like a clock now you can buy that has on it. Or I guess now now we're in 13 or 14 now. I don't know. <laughs> there's a clock now you can buy that has like 12 doctors on it. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, but, but yeah, uh, so yeah, Sex Education Season 4. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it or just haven't seen the show in general, it's a really fun watch. It's very funny, very And wholesome. it's done now, right? I definitely recommend it. It's done now, yeah. It's, it's over. Um uh, and again, I'm sad to see it go, but all good shows must come to an end. So that's that's the hard that's the hard stuff about watching TV. It's that you 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 spend so much time investing in these characters, and then they're like, it's the final season. It's like no, <laughs> and no, certain somewhat certain ones just hit harder than others. I know I know which that's one is true. yours. Very true. Agents of Shield. Which one? Oh yes, yeah, I did. I did. That was that was a hard. I mean, man, that season that that whole show had a. <laughs> They had it had its ups and downs, uh, but I think they ended off pretty well. That one, that one was so underrated. More people should have watched it. Maybe not five and six, but seven was was a great ending to the, to this to this franchise. <laughs> um, yeah, I really hope in some way within this very weird, convoluted Marvel cinematic universe, they find a way to bring back Coulson and some of the cast from Agents of Shield. That's that's the one for me where it's like, come on, guys. We're playing with multiverses now. Let's just let's have just them walk them through. There. <laughs> just walk through. Get a portal. Walk them in it. Yeah, Done. exactly. I'm not asking for much. <laughs> um, the other thing that I watched that Megan and I watched uh, was the Beanie Bubble. It's on Apple TV Plus. It stars um, uh, Zach. Uh, wow, well, Zach Galifianakis and. Um, uh, I can see, I can see it in my head, and I can't. I mean, just give me a second. I'm just gonna, I, I'm not prepared for this at all. The beanie, but it, it's basically uh, how the the rise and fall of the beanie baby industry kind of mm. came about. Uh, yeah, okay, that's right. The beanie bubble, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Elizabeth Banks, Sarah Snook, um, all in it, and it was very, it was, it, w- it wasn't bad. It was an interesting kind of take on how all that transpired. The guy who created uh, the Beanie Babies, the craze that it was, the the people also uh, responsible for kind of apparently the, the the movie was kind of showcasing how shady like the creator was, and he was using other people to get ahead, mm. um, 
while also there being a threat of the this this bubble that is going to burst and therefore you know long story short no one really listened to this bubble and then when it bursted it this company crashed and burned and at one point very similar to how some toys action figures funko pops um trading cards they're all over time they gain value because there's a sense of scarcity to them and limitations and limited editions and all that stuff that will get value and you take them off the market and therefore people want them and then there's a secondary market and all that stuff um any pretty much an interesting thing about just collecting stuff in general um and then there's a value to it well these beanie babies were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars certain them because of how limited they were but their problem was that they kept releasing more and more and therefore they're losing their scarcity and then the bubble bursted and then they kind of tanked and now they're worth nothing Mm. uh so the movie kind of went over all of that it wasn't bad again another solid apple tv plus movie like i don't think i've seen one that really disappointed me so far they're they're apple tvs you know like Quality content, even though they're raising their prices, right. which we already knew was going to happen. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, but everyone's raising their prices right now. I think yeah, Apple TV said they're going to raise their prices. Disney Plus is about to raise their prices in November. And Netflix also announced that they're raising their prices again. Netflix is the last person that should be raising their prices, I know. by the way. Like, hey, we're making you pay Netflix. more to split, and then we're going to raise our prices again. Yeah, that that's ridiculous. At this point, yeah, we talked about the streaming wars before prices are going up it's in order for you to have all of the streaming services whether you want ads or no ads or whatever it's just it and if you want all of them it you're you're paying for cable again yeah uh the sad thing about cable is that there's no good tv on there no so so this is <laughs> you what you're to stuck with to, yeah pretty much for the most part um but yeah the beanie bubble not too bad and then the rest of my watching have been catching myself up uh, with some horror stuff with and uh i went down john carpenter's uh library i saw two movies of his uh the fog (laughs) okay Um, that's the one with tom welling right i believe so uh it wasn't great (laughs) i'll I'll say that uh is it with with tom welling it's with no it's uh i think maybe i'm thinking of the mist the Miss might be. It's with Jamie Lee Curtis, and even oh. though she's on the title, she's not the main character. Oh, it's the 1980 film. Yes. Uh yeah, oh yeah, they, they, then they they did a remake. Was it The Miss? I'm not I'm not sure. No no, The Fog is the. Um, did you saw yeah. the 1980s version of The Fog? Yes yes I okay. did yeah, yeah. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, written directed by John Carpenter. I think it was it was an interesting movie. Um, I didn't care for it too much. It was very slow. Uh, it wasn't. It was more of like this threat, less about it being scary. It's like how people are reacting to this thing. Um, yeah, not too thrilled about it. Um, what, I, what I found interesting was that Jamie Lee Curtis coming off of the success of Halloween is on the cover and on the poster of The Fog, yet she is maybe in 10, 15 minutes of the movie, like total. Like she's there sporadically, but overall she's not our main character. So I think they were just very much capitalizing on her her stardom them to put her on the poster. Um, but the movie that I really thought was like, damn, was The Thing by John Carpenter. 
I think if I remember correctly, when we had James on the podcast, he talked about the the prequel that came out in about 2011 mm-hmm. to the thing, also called the thing, and he was saying that it was a prequel and it was really it was done well and it kind of led right into the events of the thing, the the 19 when did that come out? 1982 film starring Kurt Russell. Uh, right now, so you got to watch that movie. Holy shit! If you oh. haven't already, that was really good. I was not expecting to like that movie so much as I did. Um, there, it's a, it's a lot of it's, a, it's paranoia like horror because we don't know what the thing is, but also the thing is a lot of things, and what they did for makeup and what they did for like when we see that monster. And all the practicalities that came with it, you're like, wow, where's that today in film, man? They don't, they don't make them like that no more. Uh, it just, it looked so good. So like, because I believe it was just all practical and all the different effects they were trying to use for it, I really, I really dug it. It, I had, I even looked up a few things online, and was like, like either how they did that or like the deeper meanings within the movie and. There's a lot to unpack there. So now I'm really interested to see the prequel movie. I don't think it's going to be as good, uh, but I was quite surprised with what this one had to offer. So where, where did you find it? Or did you it? Was on, it? I, 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 it was on, I believe it's on Max. Yeah, it's on Max. Okay. Okay. Now, <clears throat> what do you, what do you, um, what would you equate it to as far as like, is it like, Freddy Krueger is the feel kind of like um, Child's Play. Is it like Friday the Thirteenth? Like, uh, you see, I, I think what makes this one special is that it's none of that. It's not a slasher film. It's not. There's no iconic, uh, you know, monster um, that's there. I think the poster, looking at it now and watching the movie and just like a guy in a snow like suit, um, really speaks more value now that I look at it. Um, there's just a lot there, even within the poster, a lot of mystery there. I think if I were just to to kind of show any similarities to it, it's almost like Jordan Peele's Nope. Really? I get I get that vibes from it. And it's weird because I, you know, obviously I'm comparing it to a new movie and I'm watching, I watched that one first, so that's what I'm going to compare it to, even though this movie came out in the 80s. But, you know, that's that's the vibe I got. It's like we just don't know what it is. But when you see it, it's like, oh, now Nope is more, a little bit more all over the place. But I feel like this one, like we get to see some things like, like, again, with the prosthetics and everything. So as far as the mystery that surrounded Nope, that's the feel that I got. Mm. But not like by the end of Nope, you saw like this big spaceship. It's like none of that is going on. Um, But it is interesting to see what the thing is and what it is and what it could be and all that stuff that's surrounding it. Uh, but I think I'm just more impressed with just how, like, much of what we saw is just all practical and is so weird. And uh, I, it's hard to describe the thing, hmm. like, what the thing is uh, without giving anything away. And I know this movie came out in the 80s, but you haven't seen it, so uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, but, yeah, I, I, if you haven't seen it, it, for those for those who have, you know what I'm kind of talking about. But for those who haven't, then I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's one of the, I think that was better than Halloween, to be honest with you, as far as John John Carpenter's work 
in the horror genre and it's it's he's done a lot of work in the horror genre um i haven't seen like his other movies like um big trouble in little china or um i know that's not horror but what, uh, and escape from new york it's one of his like other two bigger movies that that he's made with kurt russell um but yeah i uh uh, this this one's a really good one. I, I think a lot of people have all, all stated for a while that like the thing is probably like his masterpiece. And after watching it, I was like, yeah, this was definitely better than Halloween. So now, um, would you? Yeah. Now, what is it rated? PG thirteen rated R. It's rated R. Oh, okay, okay. So just me and the wife. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I I wouldn't say that the there there are some gruesome things there. Mm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that this is not suitable for kids, but it can definitely give kids nightmares. I'll tell you that. Mm. That's the whole point. Scare so, them to sleep. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll, they'll be scared of something. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that. He can wait. You <laughs> can wait. Um, but uh, but yeah. And then the last thing that I watched uh, was I went to the theater and I saw Saw X. Ernesto. Ooh, okay. Eh. I saw the I saw the new Saw movie, and you know what? It's really good. Really I have good. To give them credit. It, I I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I, I okay. There was a lot to really like about the movie. I think when I, I remember we talked about this last year when we announced that they were making another Saw movie, and we we're like, eh, you know, after after Jigsaw and Spiral, it just this this franchise is going downhill and i remember when we were talking about the movie they the, the creators behind it said that we're gonna do the fans right here we're gonna give them something worth watching we're gonna more or less going back to the drawing board and they're gonna do right to the franchise mm-hmm. and i think they did just that they did a great job of like putting emotion into this movie that i wasn't expecting the story was like really really solid like saw one good takes place i well this movie takes place right after saw one Mm. and the way that i i took this movie and i was able to really appreciate it is that i well well, first thing they got tobin bell back as as jigsaw and i was like and he was the main star like it's not even like he was the villain no he was front and center beginning to end his perspective. I don't think we ever got that in a Saw movie. We were always about the people who were in the traps. And it was very much not that kind of movie at all. It was a more kind of thoughtful movie in the way. Like, you're getting inside of his mind. You understand the reasons why he's doing things and what is justifiable in his head of creating these traps to make people suffer and make decisions, live or die. You know, that type of whole thing. And it's honestly, if you just this movie is a better intro to Saw than any other movie I would recommend. Like if you say, hey, I want to get into the Saw franchise, watch Saw X. And if that doesn't do it for you, then I don't think you're going to like this franchise. But it's also a very different movie from what these were trying to be. I think Spiral was taking the like the chaotic approach from it, like from the detective angles, like we've done all that. That was not the way to go. Well, I think where they realized where they need to, to take a step back was that you got to go after Jigsaw himself. He's still alive. He's old, but he's still kicking. It's He's still doing pretty well. It, 
it's just like it's it's like what we've been talking about before is that everybody like there's just been a cultural thing where people are obsessed with understanding villainy and understanding like Mm -hmm. trying to get into the mind of the villain and under and trying to come with a logical sense of how they got to doing the crazy shit that they end up doing whatever whatever whoever insert villain here whoever that perfect example is thanos like a well-written fleshed out villain that people were like online weirdly connecting with but like but like that's just the essence of good writing like finding a good way to write in a villain story like that seems to be like the 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 huge hit in writing and that sounds like maybe that that's what this is because he was the star like so we see the protagonist i feel like there should be a new word i would say (laughs) yeah i mean but you're yeah he is the protagonist in a way like they kind of made him out to be the hero in this twisted uh, in this, in, in, a, in a twisted way, mm. kind of, kind of what the, uh, the, the movies we've seen before. Like, if you look at it, at the end of Infinity War, uh, Thanos is technically through our protagonist, and he won. Yeah, he he won the day, like mission complete at the end of Infinity War. So, yeah, in a sense, like you watch Saw X, and you're like, okay, mission complete. Like, and and you're like, good for you, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think it it's just done it in a way that I was able to connect with that with the Jigsaw character more. So then when we go into the the future installments, and what's sad is that they always in the, in the in the franchise like he Tobin Bell was not even in the first movie up until the very mm-hmm. end. Obviously, like he was there, but he wasn't. And then we really we really didn't get to know more about him until the second movie. But he was also like our villain under the eyes of the people who were stuck in the traps, as well as our, um, um, as well as through the detectives and all that stuff. The third movie is where he died. Spoiler alert. Um, and they went through some of his more stuff. And the biggest thing we knew about him was that he was you know going through cancer, and uh, and for reasons that we were slowly learning of why he was doing that. And then from movies four, five, six, and seven, we were pretty much seeing this character through flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I think the franchise always knew that they killed off Tobin Bell and Jigsaw too early because we keep learning more about this character for every movie through flashbacks. Mm -hmm. So, but we never got to see him be Jigsaw after that within these flashbacks. So now we get to this movie where we put him front and center and I was like, you can give me more of this. Mm. You, you, can, you can give me this all day. And so, like, if you watch Saw 1 and see the events take place there, and then it goes into Saw. So, basically, it's Saw 1, then Saw X, then Saw 2. So, this is basically um, what Saw 2 should have been. I would say this is what Saw 1 should have been. Oh, really? <laughs> I would go as far as that. But what I like about Saw 1, but maybe not, maybe not. I maybe actually I think you might be more right because Saw One was more of like what the surprise factor of it all, because like again spoiler alert for Saw One, uh, like there was just a dead body sitting on the floor, the entire movie, and then toward the right at the very end he just wa- he just walks up, like so he wasn't dead this entire time, and um, and like but we saw other things play out in that movie. Um, and we learn more about other characters, but we knew nothing about Jigsaw. So when it comes to the second movie, we get to learn a little bit more about who this character is. So to your point, yes, 
I think this is a better Saw 2 than Saw 2. Mm. Because, like, I think in Saw 2, we really get to see him, like, unhinged in Saw 2. And then we see him die in Saw 3. Um, so, I, I am interested, like, uh, I'm really curious, like, going into, like, watching, like, a, a breakdown video uh, of the Saw franchise and kind of see the story chronologically. Because I feel like with all these movies, they've been bouncing around kind of all over the place and so the, just, it would be nice to get like a clear picture of like the events that happened with, throughout this movie yeah um but yeah you were you were able to see why a more justifiable way of putting these people in traps and like they already they already did that in the movies because you you're taking people who have sinned and you're not killing them you're just putting them in these really really bad situations to make them make a choice where they can live or die so making them value life that's like the whole thing Exactly, value life because he's the one that's dealing with cancer. Um, so yeah, and I just it just sucks now that he's he's in his eighties, and I mean for for an, for an actor who was in his eighties, he killed it, he nailed it. Uh, and so I I don't know if if this is just a one off or if we can get more of this style of saw, but like by the time we got to the traps, it wasn't like as chaotic and like. I mean, it was definitely gruesome. Don't get me wrong, but like, it wasn't as like, sh- like crazy as the other movies kind of panned out to be. It was more reason behind it, and therefore you're like, all right, well, is this person gonna get out? We'll see. Like, I kind of <laughs> care a little bit more than I normally do. So, yeah, and I think this is also sitting fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which I, if I'm not mistaken, is the only fresh Saw movie <laughs> in the franchise. So I think that's maybe the first one might be fresh, but if it's not, then this is the only one sitting on that. Like, so I think that's I think that says something. I think they got something here that like, yeah, I think we can. This franchise is savable, salvageable. Um, And just looking it up now, Saw X is sitting at a 79 percent and Saw one is sitting at a 50, which was the highest. Mm. So all the other ones are just lower than yeah that. i mean there's certain ones that are just dumpster juice that just so yeah, so bad good. <laughs> because i think the focus was just on like how how more inventive can we do the traps and that's what only people are here for and people are just calling it torture porn which in to a certain degree, extent it, it was yeah to a certain extent yeah to a certain you're right to a certain extent it was and and what I liked about those franchises is that there was always some sort of mystery and a twist behind it. I was always, like, really excited to see what the twist was. And this movie didn't really go for that either, which was kind of the twist in the movie itself. There wasn't much of a twist. You kind of expected some of the things that kind of played out. So, like, it was long of it, short of it all, it was really refreshing for this franchise to get that. And also for this franchise to get a win like that. Yeah. Um, so with with all that, you know... If we can get more of this, then um, let's let's do it. I'm let's here. Do, let's keep this. Yeah, alive. I'm. I'm here for the one that I the one that I really remember, and I want to say it's either the second one or the third one where they're in the house, and they the girl who's a drug addict she gets thrown onto like oh, I get like I get chills every time mm-hmm. I even think about it. She gets thrown onto like a bed, like like a tub of syringes, like trying to find some key yeah. or anything. And they like throw her on. You just like ah ah you ah it was such a crazy like out of all the Saw movies, that's the one that I remember. <laughs> I think it's either the second one or the third one. 
it's two it's two yeah okay (laughs) yeah i i think the first two are really good i think for me it's one two and i really liked five five was good but where does X? Yeah, where is it, so is X number one in your ranking? So what's your ranking of? Would, what's your top I would three? Because I, um, I would say yeah, I would say that X is. Well, I think if for my ranking, I would probably give it like a. Hmm. Like between what? What's all right? So what's number three? Your top three? Because you've seen them all, right? Five, yeah, I've seen them all. Yeah, five oh. is probably three. Okay, what's your number and two? And then it's a toss up. I guess I would say X than one, but X is a better story. Like it's it's a far better story. So maybe maybe this maybe X maybe yeah. X one five maybe X one five yeah okay X one five okay yeah yeah because that's not necessarily I, I, the watch order. That's just right. which one is the most captivating, you know? Right. Yeah, and I was like, like you get invested pretty quick, and but also this movie does act as if you've seen them before so like Ooh. there are how much prior knowledge like, do you need to have at least like not, the first three much. maybe the first no, one no, no, no. i think i think you just need a, a little knowledge of who jigsaw is um or just his stick but also they do a pretty good job like if this was the one that you're going to start with is not wrong it's just i i feel like he, and, and here's the thing here's the tricky part if you watch this movie other surprises will not hit as hard if you watch this first. Mm. Well, if that makes sense, well, like the, that'll the test twist in the first movie. Yeah, that'll test this. That'll test the series, though. That'll test how you feel about the whole. Right. Because then, like, so is the rest of the series just dependent on the surprise? Like, is Saw One enjoyable without the tw- without with knowing the twist? Like, almost like a rewatch. Is it good on a rewatch? Right. I would say yes. And honestly, I would say yes too. I would say that the sixth sense, like for example, <laughs> I knew about the, I knew about the twist before I watched the movie. Ooh. And to me, the movie was boring when I watched it for the first time because me watching it for the first time was as if I watched it for the second time because I knew I knew the punchline at the end of the movie. I knew the twist. So I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, Bruce Willis. Yeah, okay, I got it. Okay. Yeah, and so for me, it wasn't entertaining without it. But I will say that Saw One is a little bit better at that on a rewatch, even when you know that what the twist is at the end of that movie. Okay. Um, but also, if you watch Saw X, it kind of gives away the twist in the first movie and the second movie, and I'm not sure when a certain detective shows up in other movies, but also the, that is when other detectives show up in the movie. So there's a certain detective that shows up in the franchise where he's a bigger role in the, in the, in the franchise. And you also see him cameo in saw X. So, but do they draw, do they draw attention to him though? Like, do they draw attention to that person? Like the, as if you already know know who that person is within the franchise or you just see him show up as a person. Like, if that makes sense, you, you know, you, you see him helping jigsaw. Okay. So like at that at that point that twist which I believe in one of the Saw movies there was a twist where the te- where the detective was working with Jigsaw. Oh, wasn't it like four, five, or six? I feel like it was one of those. One of them. I it could have been it could have been four. Now that I that I'm trying to I'm trying to think about it, but I think it could have been four, where the the detective was working with Jigsaw, uh, for Jigsaw, and so that 
if you watch Saw X, you see him working with him. You're like, so if, if you're watching these in order, then you're like, oh, in the second movie, she's working with Jigsaw. And in the fourth movie, she's working with Jigsaw. But you already knew that. So those twists don't add well. But it's better for, for, for someone who's seen the franchise now. I can watch it in the order in which they want me to. And I think that's, you know, that serves better, you know, trying to put all this stuff mm. together. Okay. I'd be, I'd be interested. So, I, th- uh, I haven't seen them in so long. So I would almost want to watch Saw yeah. X and then watch the other ones to see if it's still enjoy. It's like to see what what the enjoyment level is, you know? Yeah, I would I would recommend it. I mean, I haven't seen these movies in a while myself, um, so I'm I'm down for it. The only one I recommend don't watching is Spiral <laughs> because that has nothing has nothing to do with this franchise. It doesn't even use any of the characters. It's this whole independent thing. Um, and I hate it. <laughs> hate it a lot. <laughs> so much. I hate it so much. Um, the one thing that I do uh, give credit for this franchise, when they did the Saw the final chapter, it was one of the worst movies in the franchise, but with the exception of the last, like, ten minutes, because I felt like they did a really good job kind of putting a bow on it, wrapping it all up, and, like tying this franchise together kind of very similar to the final destination if you've seen all those movies if you watch the last movie in the franchise it's not great but boy does it just have a nice little little button on it (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah but anyway if you haven't seen the saw franchise and you can uh withstand some of the gruesome stuff that happens in that movie in that franchise i definitely recommend giving it a watch because outside of that there are some good, interesting story angles, and if you like a good twist in a movie, they're definitely yeah. there. Um, so anyway, that's all we've been watching, and now we're going to be diving in to our spoiler review of the week, the the movie that maybe everyone's talking about. The Oscars are definitely looking at it. It's Martin Corsese, it's Eros Roth, Leonardo DiCaprio, it's Robert De Niro, it's Flowers, The Killer Moon, Ernesto, your thoughts on the film? See, I was, I almost, given our last conversation... With the Irishman, I almost want you to go first. Okay. Uh, well, I'll just put it on Front Street. This is better than the Irishman. Yeah, I agree. I'll I can. I, put it I agree with that. Right there. I can agree with that. Better than the yes, Irishman. Yes, I agree. Um, I will say this. It wasn't long. Absolutely. This movie's three and a half hours. Yeah. It was long. Way too long. I agree. Like, I... <laughs> It way too long. We could have, at the very least, at the very least, shaved off 30 minutes. I think I would have been okay with a three-hour version of this. I would have been more okay with a two-and-a-half version of this. Um, but I can, in, in, a, in a weird way, I can justify three hours. I, I um, agree with you. What the story was trying to Yes. You know yes, what I mean? I agree yeah, okay. with you. So on that note, all I will say is that I agree with you, but I think to tell a much more expanded, better story, I think this would have done a million times better as a miniseries on Apple TV Plus, like like a six episode miniseries. I would have loved to have seen the Osage come in, like with what caused them to move, like seeing the first instance of Mm -hmm. what they detail as the white man, like pushing them out and taking taking them out, because then it almost gives context to Robert De Niro's demeanor and his character. Like, I would have loved to have that been the opening. Is them traveling from, uh, what was it, Missouri to, to what, what would be Oklahoma, 
I believe, right? Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Like that I would have loved right. like we we I feel like we could have gotten why didn't we get any of that backstory? Like we could have gotten all that in a long mini series. But you know, he's just so adverse to anything on streaming, has to be exclusively in the theaters. Doesn't matter if it's three and a half hours, which I agree. That part I don't understand. I, I I'm not I don't have a problem with. The problem is the pacing sometimes like the pacing was so all over the place like yeah. certain spots would be would be real hitty like real hot especially since the trailer the music we played at the beginning of the episode you listen yeah, to the, so the <laughs> like that you are you're expecting like real hype almost like the departed level hype that's what that's kind of mm-hmm. like what i was expecting and that's not what we got like the it would go real real high and then it would just dip for like an extended period of time yeah i i will give you i will give you that because it did hit a high and then it hit low it's almost like once it hit its high it went back down and they were slowly building back up to that high again yes um but i will say he doesn't have a problem with streaming remember the irishman was a netflix original film true so he did put that out there and also he did make this movie in partnership with parent well he made this movie paramount pictures bought it ended up being too expensive it's a 200 million dollar movie and the budget was two hundred million dollars. And to spread the to share the wealth, um, Apple ended up footing the bill as well as Paramount. So this movie was originally going to uh, air on Apple TV Plus. It was Apple TV and Paramount who decided that this movie has legs, and we're going to put it out on mm. in theaters as oh. a wide release. Which and, I which I get. I can. I mean, it's total Oscar bait. I mean, it's a total yes. Oscar bait movie. I mean, not to say that it's bad the thing is is that it's not like as far as a well put together film it is great the score is great Mm -hmm. the cinematography is beautiful the set pieces are gorgeous the production design the costumes like really everything technically that was put out with this movie was phenomenal like i love the costumes i love the production design like I love the score, I love the cinematography. Like I could totally see it all. And also, I will say, regardless of the pacing of the movie, I think Lily Gladstone should be nominated for her for her performance as being like a first time actress. And even some of the actors, they're actual um, people of the Osage, like uh, mm-hmm. of the, from the Osage Nation. And it's, I mean, they did better than some seasoned actors. Like you, yeah. like you almost like to me, it was so original because it, it just seems like maybe they just didn't just like whatever we're just gonna do us and you just turn the cameras on we're just gonna forget that they're there <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what it I, seemed like it felt it felt very yeah. real and very natural especially like like that tp scene where they're all where all the all the families are meeting together um when they're first trying to figure out what's going on with the murders like i thought that was a really well put together so i thought that was a great scene yeah and 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 to your point i think there is i think i can see what like apple and what paramount saw to make this a wide release because again this was supposed to be an apple tv plus airing on their streaming service they decided to put this as a wide release which if you didn't know this was the first streaming movie that is getting a wide release like like for the first movie made by a streamer to be put in theaters as a wide release so eventually it would hit apple tv plus maybe before the end of the year maybe the beginning of the new year who knows but eventually it will go there and from what I was reading, it's more of a trial run for Apple TV Plus because they don't care about making anything, any money off of this because it wasn't supposed to be in theaters in the first place. Yeah, exactly. They, this is just a bonus. They, 
It's a bonus, absolutely. And yeah. but in my head, why weren't you doing that before? Yeah. It's like we <laughs> get automatic we get automatic Oscar buzz. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just like the budget, like I said, was two hundred million dollars. It opened at twenty three million, which isn't great. Right now it's sitting at thirty with a worldwide of fifty five. For a movie that was never going to go to theaters, a worldwide fifty five is not a bad return. No. Uh, on top of that. Also, there's a lot riding on this movie. Obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Martin Corsese, all that stuff will drive people. Definitely hitting a, an older audience for this. Um, but as far as the story goes, and I, and like I said, I agree with you. I see the appeal there to make this a wider release. This movie looks and feels authentic. Like, I was wrapped into it 100%. Like, the acting, the production design, the costume design... Um, even some of the, some parts of the cinematography were good. The score, like I mentioned earlier, was also really good. Like I see it there more yeah. than I did with the Irishman. Correct. Um, the only the only problem with this movie was I think it all just boils down to the pacing. Yeah. The pacing was just really slow, and I was expecting, and maybe this is me projecting onto the film, but I was expecting like some really high highs in this movie. And I feel like it was just matter of fact. It's yeah. like the events of the – this is based on a true story. We're showcasing you a three-and-a-half-hour version of the events of what happened. And that's it. Like it, there wasn't like these big twists. There wasn't these big moments. There wasn't like this big maybe spectacle that I was looking for. It was just is. And then to me, I thought the ending was very anticlimactic. In my opinion. Well, the ending, I think it was just a little weird. Because <laughs> we get this grand exposition on everything. And then all of a sudden, we cut to like this 1940s vaudeville act of like being read <laughs> on a news on news radio. And then Martin yeah. Scorsese comes out and fini- just closes out the show. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like, give that screen time to Lily Gladstone. Like, why couldn't we have seen her... Like in with her new life, getting right. getting a divorce from Leon, from Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Why didn't we see Robert De Niro's like evil? See what that evil amounted to in his later days. Like that would have been sure. a more impactful ending. And also, I feel like they focused more on the exposition and the planning of the murders, whereas to like. Like we we spent a lot of time just sitting around with a bunch of old white guys like talking about how we're gonna kill these people. Like it's like well right. now you gotta go here and then and then I gotta go meet Billy the kid and he's gonna get me some dynamite and then we're gonna blow up the house <laughs> and then like just fucking do it like or do the both things as you're talking about it. Give us a voiceover and then show us doing the action. Like why do we need two separate things about that? Like right. like and his friend the guy who was gonna who, who they were doing the car insurance scam. Like why did yeah. we he. Why did we need that whole part of the scenario expounded out? <laughs> we got him sitting with him there. We got the chase scene with him and the cops. We got the cops talking to him about it. We got them busting him about it later on in the movie as a part of the thing. Like that could have been consolidated. You could have cut like that's like ten minutes of the film you could have cut out and and you could have just talked about it as like two different things. Or it could have been like a voiceover on how they kill on what led up to killing her like there was just a lot that was overly expounded out and then like i felt like key parts of this story that were left out that should have been included like i like i talked about in the beginning like like the 
the whole um, pact that caused them to move in the first place. Like, why didn't we see that? That's a key part of the story is them being forced to move onto the slam. Like, why was that like a montage in the beginning of the movie? Like that should have been, we should give that the screen time. Like we don't need this 1940s news radio read of what happened. We need like, this is what this movie is. You're supposed to be given as exposition. Like that's bull. Like that's weird. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, we don't need that. Nobody needed that (laughs) at the end. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it was it, it just it just took me out of the 100%. movie. I mean, I think that was the, I think that was the that was the point of it, maybe. But like, like you, you were you were showcasing the story within a traditional movie format. Why did you take us out of it at the end of it? It just didn't make any sense to me why you would do that. And it's like and it's, it's like I guess that was the equivalent of like a title card, like a, like well, we got both. Cut to black they gave us that showed, and title cards. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's three and a half hours, folks. Um, but there's another there's another part that I found to, to go to going off your point. Like we already knew for the most part who committed the murders of her sister Anna. Like toward like more like before halfway in the movie, I couldn't really pinpoint when in the movie. Maybe within the first hour or so. Um, but we knew that she died, and we knew we knew all these things already. But then when we got to trial and in in the court case. Um, we, we saw that events play out and in my, and like, almost as like in my head is like, well, we already knew yeah. this. So why are you going out of your way and showing us that almost as if like, like, cause he was telling him, so did you do this? Yeah, that's how I did it. Do that. And I thought they were going to show us something different from what he was saying, but no, you just showed us that scene. We already knew she was dead like two hours ago. And then, you know, two hours later into the movie, you decide to show us that scene. What was the point yeah, of that? Yeah, exactly. What, what was the point of showing us that? We didn't need to see it, or else you just would have shown it two hours ago. Like, I, I feel like part of the problem with this movie, again, going on with the pacing, but also is that we we were always in on the bit. Like, we, we, we always... We were already in we the were know. On, we were al- yes, we were already in the know. So there was nothing that was supposed to shock us. It was nothing that was supposed to elude us to think it was something else. It was, again, a very matter of fact. Like, we were never... The audience knew as much as Robert De Niro, pretty much. Yes. Like, he was... the Robert De Niro's character was the mastermind of all of this. It's all this this tragedy, this horribleness in this movie. And we were always under under the scope of him, even though our main protagonist was Leonardo DiCaprio's character. But we were always in the know... Of, of, of the events that were happening within this movie. So there was really nothing to be like 100% engaged with it other than seeing how these events it almost like it like the re-exposition of it almost pulled me out of it pulled me out of the movie and then plus like they would just like reintroduce characters like oh we haven't seen this character in two hours let's get reintroduced (laughs) it's like i don't forgot who he is at this point this is three and a half hours long (laughs) straight and i'm trying not to go to the bathroom and like you know i i don't know i i found my bathroom's break though (laughs) i had i had to use it i will say the one the highlights for me were some of the performances and that would be from absolutely robert de niro especially robert de niro because he just he just played like 
this soft, kind, evil man. And I just, I thought he just, yes. he played it so, so convincingly. Like, it was just, it was, like, real, like, very captivating. Very, like, great performance. Like, probably, for me, it's one of his strongest performances, is seeing him do this role. I, I know. I agree with you because to me where I felt like I was really like it was a point where like as 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 a viewer you want to hate this person Correct. right for everything that he was doing the point that that I noticed him as a good actor in this movie like to me this like transcended like oh damn you're doing something really good here was when he was sitting around the table with all the other um with all the other natives of the um Osage tribe and they were trying to hire a private investigator and and he was like, I will throw in $1,000 for this private investigator. And also, I'm with you people. And if you have any information, also let me know. And I was like, this is a real son of a bitch right here. <laughs> God damn, I hate him so much right <laughs> now. But that's but that's, that's what made him a good actor. Because I believed in 100% of what he was doing. Yes, and you just reminded me of another of another thing that they, over, that they gave us over exposition. The whole thing, the private investigator. So we get to meet the private investigator. We get to see, we get to <laughs> yeah. meet with him. Then we talk about what they want to do with him. And then we see it happen. And then in the court yeah. case, we get to see it happen again for a second time. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> for such a, we for know. such a non, like, yes, it's a, a, it bears a small importance, but but in the grand scheme of this three and a half hour movie, we did not need to see that one part play out so many times. Yeah, and also like the only time they sh like the second time, the first time we saw him get jumped, yes, the second time we saw that it was Leonardo DiCaprio behind it. Like he was like I think at that point in the movie we were unsure about Leo's involvement in in the in the role of what De Niro was scheming, and. I think it was one within those moments where he's like, okay, so he is 100% involved in what's going on, but he's also naive about it, which also then I give credit to Leonardo DiCaprio and his performance because I, I believed that he loved his wife. I think he did. And he was in love. I think he did. But he was easily manipulated to and, – and De Niro was – a hundred percent using that to his advantage. hundred percent. I think that he, like you said, he used, his uncle saw that he did love her and that he would use his love for her against him. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. slowly he'll just like, well, just do this one little thing. Like you even see it in the end when he's trying to get him to sign over the property rights. He's like, yes. you know, we're going to take care of her. She's going to die soon anyway. It's like, just go on, go right. ahead and sign that paper right there. Go ahead and sign that. Like, give, me we, that. We, give me that land. He's like, <laughs> He's like, I signed it. Your brother signed it. You know, we all we all have to sign it. We just we just have to sign. And like, he wasn't really saying much, you know. But he was, but Leo was just really. I was like, well, if if my uncle said so, I guess. That's, I guess I gotta do it. I guess what I, uncle I, knows I best. Like, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. But you can tell, like at that moment, he was like, I don't know. This sounds fishy, but my uncle says it's the best thing to do. So I guess I guess I gotta do it. Um, and like you kind of feel sorry for him at that moment because like he doesn't in a way know any better that's that's kind of a, I don't that's the wrong word to use but like he didn't know what else to do because in a way like if he didn't do it then I think he was gonna be worse off. yeah I agree um but yeah and also I would say somebody who's just severely underrated like he just he is 
everything, no matter if the project is good or bad, he is always a shining star. And I think you already know who I'm going to say is Jesse Plemons. Like, this dude is the GOAT. Like, everything he's in is fucking good. Power of the Dog, terrible movie, great performance. (laughs) What was that (laughs) other movie? That weird Netflix movie that he was in? Oh, um, Oh, what was... I Know Things. I... The... The... I... I think it's I know things. I know oh, the things I don't know. Uh, he was good in that too. Was that was a weird movie? Uh, he was in the, um, with uh, Elizabeth Olsen in that show I watched earlier this year. Yeah, Lo- love and love death. and death. Um, um, Breaking Bad, like arguably one of the best, mm-hmm. one of the best characters from Breaking Bad. Um, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. That's was the it. movie we were game referring. night. He, yeah. in game, and that's the other, game, game night. He's yeah. in game. game night was hilarious. But that's yes. what I mean. Like he, <laughs> he, um, he, the way he can switch back and forth from something as serious as this, something as serious as he was also in the Irishman as well. Um, he's right. He was in Judas and the Black Messiah. Like everything mm-hmm. he's in is good. Um, I, I'm just, I'm such a fan of his and like anything, no matter what it is, whatever he, project he's in, he's going to do, like I will 100% watch just cause he's just a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's great. And like I clocked it, he didn't enter the movie until about two hours yeah. in like when they started, like is, I, I think like his interaction with, uh, with, with Leo was, was yeah. great. Like when they first walked out the door and he was like, um, like hi, he's like I'm here to. He's like he's what? It was yeah, in the trailer. The trailer too. Was like what do you hear? I'm here like, to solve these murders. The trailer for moment. what? That, to see almost and it's almost like the anticipation is like it's like it's almost the way they played it. It's almost like he figured it out the moment that he asked him that question. Yes, yeah. It's like, why yes, would you ask me? Yeah, like well, obviously you're the killer because why the why would you ask me that yeah. that way? Like why else yeah, to find like, out who did them, dummy? I'm here. Like, <laughs> I'm here for these murders for what? To to see who did them? (laughs) Obviously, it's a terrible thing that's happening to this neighbor, this community. Yeah, it's like, all right, what's your name? Uh, (laughs) Prime suspect number one. (laughs) This dummy right here. (laughs) He's like, can I speak to your wife? No, she's uh, she's real sick right now. She's how uh, much land? How much land do you own? Mm. Yeah. What's, what's gonna happen if she dies? About... <laughs> <laughs> come, come back Friday. Come yeah. back Friday. Sure. <laughs> Friday, Friday. All, all good will be on Friday. Um, yeah. But yeah, honest. But just like in general, what a fucked up thing that that Robert De Niro, his character, and that that whole situation that was going on, of just like. Like I, honestly, I didn't know anything about this movie, so it took me a minute to realize what was going on, and then that was a through line of just like, like yeah, all these Os- Osage nations—they're just collecting all na- land. And I think the beginning of the movie did a really good job just showcasing the parallels, or not parallels, but like the the like at the beginning of the movie, you see them in traditional form, and then they found oil, and then now they're all like high wealth, like act- yeah. more more or less for, for lack of a better term, acting like white men. And like, yeah, like kind of living well, in the spoils of what they were able to do, and within that, marrying in whites, and even we saw that that older couple when they're uh, having dinner, and all the families were together, and she's like, that one's whiter than the other one, and all that stuff, and like, and like you can see that that was a thing, and then even the mother, who was like the most traditional out of all the characters, 
uh, was like, you're just, you're all just marrying white men. You don't, like, she knew what was going on, but there's nothing she can do about it. Yeah. She's like, you're thinning, you're thinning out our blood. You're ruining our bloodline. Our bloodline is no longer pure. You know, but that was an, and that, that actually was another aspect that I wish we would have explored is like the whole introduction between Leo and his wife is that Mm -hmm. he was her driver. So just even the whole dichotomy of like the whites serving serving the osage as we're you know when you think of america during that time you don't think about that you think about quite honestly you think about the inverse like you think about you know slavery and just serve servitude so it's almost like the issue at that point wasn't it's not even that it was race is that it was wealth 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 wealth, it's that it it has and will always be a class and wealth issue like it's that's Mm -hmm. exactly that's what drives everything like literally like as much as people want to deny it money makes the world go round and then money makes look what money makes people do look what happens look what unfortunately happened to these people due to their greed which these families these men who were married to these women like their families would have they would have generational wealth if they had just yes. let their bloodlines continue and like let their lives just live happy lives with their wives and and coexist, like these families would still be wealthy, like generationally, probably for for I mean, who knows, but for a really long time, like right, you know what right. I mean? Like it's just it's interesting. Like what would have the inverse of this? Like if this man hadn't done this, what what would that look like? What would that place look like now if those families were able to live as they were? And, and, and which to pre- grow as they as they as they could have grown. It could have, but also like just what the the foresight of what De Niro, who played William Hale, I know I keep referring to him as his, his actor name, but I can't. Anyway, uh, that what he was able to kind of s- scheme and plot out, like he didn't he didn't do that himself. Like he didn't marry an Osage woman to take their land. Like he, I think he had already had it, but he was just. Either two things. He was either just being racist and didn't want them to have it, or he just wanted more of it. And I think that's I think it's a little bit of both yeah. in that in that regard. He's more of an opportunist. Like an op- yes, exactly. Um, and he exploited that for for every penny that it was worth, mm-hmm. literally. Um, and like, because he had he was wealthy enough, he didn't need anything else. He could have just let it be. Um, but and but also not only that, but he was able to manipulate a lot of people in the town to do that. And whether or not they knew what they were doing or not, but they were nonetheless, that's what was happening. And like, even like you see that in the perspective of uh, um, DiCaprio's character, it's like, is, was he fully in the know of what he was doing? I, I, I would like to think that he, he did and he didn't. Yeah. I don't know. With his character for me, I, I never put, I never got a good read on if he, knew 100% what he was doing like that maliciously maliciously I wonder if that was the point because the we do because in the beginning it's in the trailer too where Robert De Niro I don't I mean this man did horrible things so I don't really care to refer to him by name um that's fair (laughs) he tells him in the beginning to marry an Osage woman that's like one of the first things he tells him He's because then, you know, his thing is, well, I do love that money. Like, you know, then they go into that. But I do think when he met her, he had already fallen in love with her. And then maybe he thought that his uncle would forget and go away. You know, like maybe he would just forget about it. 
But then, you know, he just, one little thing after another, he just slowly, slowly pushed him over to the edge until the point where he just couldn't say no anymore. And then he knew that no matter what his right. uncle asked him, I mean, even in the end, like he had, he went back and forth on whether or not he was going to testify. You know, once they all, mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what they were trying to highlight, that he was just easily suggestible. Like, no matter what the yep. situation is, like, even in the end, like, he, there were no morals. Like, he just... He just whatever he was trying to do to survive and doesn't matter. It was whatever side was coming out that he saw was coming out on top because when he was with the cops and he saw he had no choice, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to testify. And then Brendan Fraser, who randomly yeah. showed up in the in the last act <laughs> of this movie as the attorney, when they yeah. when him and like a bunch of other angry white men were yelling at him in that house. Like, then he was like, all right, yeah. well, uh, okay, I'm just not going to do it. All right, I just won't do it anymore. I, I, I won't testify. Yeah. And then he and then he eventually stood up to him, and then he did testify. But it's like the, the I think the constant back and forth and the, the them even just the way they wrote it and how they showcased this character, I think that it was intentional to show that, to show his naivety and how suggestible he was, that it didn't even really matter if he wanted to do it maliciously is that he was going to get coerced to just do whatever he was just going to go with the flow. Right. And, and in his, in his eyes, maybe he realized that he was just getting coerced by like his uncle. So then when the other people were telling you're just getting coerced by the government, he's like, well, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess that, that sounds about right. So like, even though they were trying to help him. But one of my favorite lines in the movie was actually from Brendan Fraser when he was talking to Leo and he just yelled at him, he's trying to save you, dumb boy. <laughs> Tell you, man, Brendan Fraser is on a come up. Like he is like he is such a phenomenal actor. Like he's just he's just truly, oh. truly underrated. Like even the small part that he played in this, I thought he was great. Fantastic. Yeah. And he, he he was good. He had a very small role in it. And they even showed him in the trailer, which made him seem like he was going to be bigger than he actually was. Yeah. And at one point, we were getting into like two hours into this movie. It's like, when's Jesse Plemons coming yeah. up? I feel like he's got to be a big role in this. <laughs> uh, and obviously he was. Um, but but yeah, I, it, it, it was, he was just very easy manipulated. And so it was interesting to kind of see that in a way because like he, he felt that he cared for it. And then obviously up until the very end, it was the passing of his daughter that kind of really pushed it over the edge for him to really go out and testify against his uncle, even though he wasn't going to do it. And he was willing to sit in jail with him for, his, I guess, forever. Like, he was in jail with his uncle, just not willing to testify, and therefore they were both going to go to jail, and he was okay with that. I mean, he still went to jail, though, but, you know, but also not... His his uncle could have been off free for, for if he didn't say anything. And it's just a, it's a weird it was it's just a weird sense of loyalty that he had towards his uncle as yes. opposed to his wife and children. Mm-hmm. Like like I get but you know I look at people from back then and I just like they they grew up different. They grew up in a different time. Like sure. I just like I just finished reading ironically I just finished a book about the Comanche Indians about mm-hmm. and what they went through and like what the actual Wild West went through like talking about them chopping limbs off and scalping people and like the raids that they would do like this is the times that these people that these people these older people that they are coming off of they're they're the last of like living in the west and morphing into this civilized society so not that i forgive anything that these horrible people did it's just it's just like they they valued loy it just seems like they valued family and loyalty different like it was more important 
for Leonardo's character to be loyal to his uncle. Yeah. To his blood uncle than it is to his wife who he has his that are literally like his offspring. Like he yeah. feels more loyal. Why, like what? Like why is that? Like I don't know. Like but the, I think maybe that these people like I look at them like cavemen. Like they just they grew up in a different time. They think differently. Like we like I would almost have to you would almost have to talk to somebody from that time to really understand their way of thinking. Yeah. Like, you know, there but certain things just don't fly. Like yeah. you, you know, murdering all these people to take their land. Like there's no, I've, there's certain things I'm not justifying it at all. I'm just saying yeah. like like it's just it's very interesting to me, like the course of action the course of actions that took place, especially after he was caught red handed and it was like you're going to jail, like like there's no doubt about it. We we have the evidence. We know what you did. And even then, yeah. he like the the constant flipping back and forth. It was just like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like everybody already knows. What, like what the like? What are you actually doing? <laughs> yeah, which which kind of crazy too. Because at to your point, it's like he. I feel like Leo wasn't killing people to take over their land. Eventually, that was the end game on that situation. But he was killing people because his uncle told him to. Yeah. Like I think. Like he 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 didn't do it for any motive that would have benefited him at all. I just didn't think he knew that. Like he's like, why am I doing this? Oh, because my uncle told me to. He's like, well, okay, that sounds about right. And so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Um, but another key moment in the movie, especially for his relationship with his wife, was that he he said when when he referred to the insulin and like the stuff that he was basically slowly poisoning poisoning her under the doctors and the and uh de niro's yeah. request is like oh this is just gonna calm her down like and but obviously it was poisoning her um and and and, and in a way in a weird way he also he, he put it in his in his in his drink and drank it and he felt that as well maybe in a sense of like he was overwhelmed so he's like oh this is supposed to calm me down like it's calming her down then maybe i can drink that and i'll be calm as well because of this all this stuff that's happening Maybe that was his way of doing it. I'm, I thought in a moment he was trying to see if it was actually being poisoned or not. But now that I'm, you know, we're talking that loud and seeing how those scenes played out, maybe he was just like, I want to, I want some of that slow down uh, juice as well. But it was the moment where she, like the, the the FBI was able to get to her, get her into a proper hospital, properly um, give her the proper treatments to to kind of debat the diabetes and. He said she went up to him and like they already professed like they still love each other for the most part. Like they have that respect. And she goes and then he testifies like, did you air out all the grievances in in, in, on trial? And he said, yeah, everything. And then I think she might have mentioned like and the insulin. Was there anything in there? And he goes, nope, nothing to report there. And then that's when he's like, all right, you lied to me. Yeah. So we're going to. We're gonna move on from that. But I think I think that scene in particular, the one you're talking about, I think that's another call to him being naive. Because I think he did my interpretation is that he did think that it was some sort of calming medicine. But then right. in that moment when he drank it and him being slightly affected, he realized that, oh, like these guys really were trying to poison her. Or I mean maybe he knew, or he was trying to go maybe, out with her. Or, yeah. Like I I don't know. It was it was a strange thing that wasn't expounded on or wasn't explained. But, you know, it wasn't no, one of the it, things that were re-explained three or four times. 
<laughs> You're right. It wasn't. Um, but with that, what was the, what was that character's name? Bucky and the car insurance scandal. Like yeah. that, that was something like that, that was overly explained. Something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like, I like the other guy that was like, um, he was an older gentleman. He had like and, nine and, kids. And when they came up, it's like, damn it. <laughs> Dag- <laughs> like as soon as they pulled up, he just go dag nabbit. Like, God, yeah. what the fuck, man? Like, fine, I'll get in the car. Gee, it's like, I already know what this is about. <laughs> yeah. he, he goes, he's like, hey, I need you to kiss. I don't want to kill nobody. I'm not in that game no more. And then, again, another person who was easily influenced by, by DiCaprio's character. He was just like, just do it. It's like, all right, I'll do it. But I wonder how many people were. So, what if that's a testament to the people, like you know, the outlaws of that time? Like, you really just came up to them and they're like, "Hey, I know you don't got nothing going on. I know you're looking for some money. We're kind of, you know, money. Money's kind of scarce and food's kind of scarce. But you want to make some money doing some crazy shit? Like, I need you to blow up this house. (laughs) Yeah. Oh wait, did he blow up the house or did no? He killed. No, he he didn't blow. He killed the the melon the melancholy guy, which was another which was another aspect that. I felt like, like, cause you, you take this man who was, you know, they're meant to be great men in their tribes and they've been reduced to this right. civilized society where they're not really doing anything like that. And then we see this mm-hmm. man who's battling like what, what even they call him melancholy, which is basically like, like that centuries, like diagnosed depression. Like even back then that was even yeah. seen as some, somebody going through depression. Like why didn't. Why didn't we get any of that? Like that would have been. I'm assuming that that was a call to something that was also plaguing the Osage Nation. Like there should have been more mm-hmm. focus on what was actually going through the Osage Nation, but telling it through the this family that was murdered. This you know this family and this and this community that was murdered. I felt like the focus was more on the white men committing these atrocities yes. than it was about the atrocities being committed to these people. If that makes sense. Yes, no, it makes hundred percent sense because, like, obviously, we started with, with, you know, well, we had, we had the Osage nations be, again being, being traditional, and then finding the oil, and then going into society, and then we intro Leo's character, and then we kind of go on from there. It was like very brief. Yeah. Guy, we just got there, and that was it. Um, but yeah, and and to me, this this whole time, I'm I'm watching this movie and kind of the pacing of it and everything like that, and and eventually I realized like, oh. This is a gangster movie, just a lot slower. A, <laughs> a lot slower. Yeah, it's 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 a gangster western movie, a western gangster. Yeah, I got that. I figured I got the, I yeah, got a little bit of yeah. that. Yeah, because it felt to me the pacing was very similar to that, and the way that the movie was presented felt like a gangster film. It's like you have these like you know, you have your head boss and he's you know commanding all these other people to do these shady things for for nefarious reasons and. It's all horrible, and you have this master plan, like kind of like a Godfather type figure that's making all these demands for family. In this case, he's doing it for his land. It was just all set in a western, um, and I was like, okay. And that I was able to kind of sit with that a little bit better as the movie progressed. I'm like, okay, I just see this as a gangster movie, and then it's just under a western setting, and I can you know understand some of the tactics they were going for. But ultimately, the pacing with this movie and the length of it just seemed a little bit unnecessary. And kind of the directions of where they went with certain... Um, to your point, they should have focused elsewhere and not repeat the same thing five times. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, like... I guess, like, looking at it as far as, like, an Oscar and award season 
contention. Like, I, I don't think it should go as far as best picture, but there there's stuff there, but nothing that's like there's something I can highlight about that movie, but nothing that I can say that I was overly like wowed about. If that makes any well, sense. Well, remember, it's like I, my my perfect my description. It's best picture is the whole meal. That means yes. that means every little thing is going to be on point. And this thing, I think, because it, it's I would say out of the big ones, like out of cinematography, cinematography is there. Directing obviously is there. Um, writing, not there. I would say. I would say no, that the right. No, I would I say is. I would say the writing and the pacing of this film is so even so even like editing. Editing is not there. Just because it there for me there was just too many high like the highs and lows just weren't there. But then, like to your point, like like certain performances I, I were see, there, absolutely were there. Yes, yeah, performances wise, directing wise, like I think just as as far as an association, it will probably be nominated for best picture. Probably, um, but I I don't think we're in the realm of that's where it should be. But I can see it being looked at at other categories under for the Oscars um, and other award shows as well. Mm. Um, as we get there so we'll see because also we have to you know the hard part is that we're trying to see what kind of stands out but then right now we don't see anything that overly stands out but we're also when we get to the final nominations we'll see what it's up against and maybe with within that parameters it could be the best thing that's nominated sure very true but as of right for right now we don't see it as like we see like some highlights but i don't see major standouts that's like overly the top it's a surefire like definitely should i think all of this stuff is i can see it and it will most likely be but nothing that i feel like it should be like this is 100 percent where it is with the exception of maybe some of the performances where it depending on who it's up against could stand out um in that regard um so with that Ernesto, your final thoughts um i think there's a lot to like about this movie i think obviously the main the main issue that i have with it is the pacing but on the positive side, I mean, I'm, you're seeing like career performances from De Niro, obviously newcomer Lily Gladstone, who was a knockout, like who's able to stand mm-hmm. up there with DiCaprio, De Niro, like she's she seems like just a season as actor as anybody like where this is. Yeah, she's she's destined for great things like she was in she was absolutely incredible. And, and obviously Jesse Plemons um, cinematography was there. Um, just, you know, like I said, like, there were certain things I wish they would have focused on more and certain things I just felt like we didn't need to get over. We didn't need this over exposition and display of. Yeah, I and I pretty much agree with you there. I feel like as far as giving credit to Martin Corsese for a director who is 80, almost 81 years old. Yeah, he's he's 80 years right now. Like he can still direct a hell. Of a Absolutely. Movie. Like this was. This was a well-made movie. He still he still got it, people. He's still there, um, and so like I can give him props for that. But to your point, the writing and the pacing and, and its and its long length, I feel like the three and a half hours wasn't justified, and therefore it's kind of bringing down the film a lot more than it needs to be. Is that if you just shaved off maybe thirty minutes to an hour of this movie, then I feel like it could have hit a lot stronger when it comes to like being a great film. I thought it was, I thought it was good, well-made, well-produced, 
Um, but there were just certain elements there that kind of took me out of it, especially that scene with the whole news radio bit. Um, but like, I can tell in some ways this was like a like a a, a project that he cared about, obviously because he was in mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, ultimately there was just something missing to make it a great standout film. But what we did get was a lot of good stuff, like like you said before. Uh, the the performances between Leo and DiCaprio and and um, and Gladstone, I think they would all be in the conversations of Oscar contenders. Absolutely for that. I mean, they and they typically do for the most as well, especially for Fleming's DiCaprio and De Niro. But I'm not. It, it's hard to tell about winning. But I was invested into their characters through and through, and and good thing too because that was a lot of the movie was on them. Um, but yeah, and then I I liked yeah it was it was good. Like, a, a huge step up from The Irishman, in my opinion, for Martin Corsese. So, like, I never saw him as a bad director. Um, I think he just directed a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we know how much you love The Irishman. I know. I, I talk about it. I never, I don't really talk about it that much either. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it was an interesting story. It's a story that I think needed to be told on the big screen, and I, I'm glad that it went to theaters for it. Um, and I, there was a lot that I was able to take out of it. Obviously, we've been talking about this movie for a while, so we were able to pull some things out of it as well. But at the end of the day, there's some things that it slacked on, and therefore it, it kind of hindered on our overall experience while watching this movie, um, primarily with the, with the runtime. But he still got it. 80 years old, he's still kicking, he's still making movies, and I'm, and I'm, in board, I'm on board for the next yep, one. me too. Like, he's, like he's, he's still, he, there's still something there that he can create that movie magic. That you're and, and like, if anything, I got absorbed into this world very easily. Yes. He he, it was very quick for me just to get into this into the world that he built. So, good on him. But yeah, I don't think this is the last time we're going to be talking about this movie, and I think we're going to be talking about it around the award season. And uh, we're just getting ahead up on this, or yeah. We're just getting trying to get it, trying to get ahead of the game. That's right. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That's our spoiler review of Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, go check it out in theaters if you have the time, but I think it's safe to say between you and me just wait. that you can you, you can just wait to go on streaming for this yeah, one. Agreed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but there you go. That's all the show we have for you guys this week. Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they look forward to on next episode. Ooh, next week episode is our Halloween episode. We are going to be reviewing Five Nights at Freddy, and we are going to be joined by a very special guest first time a young guest this next time so tune in next time to see who it is and for that yes oh no you got to do the other thing <laughs> yeah <it's... laughs> oops <laughs> let me do the thing <laughs> oh i was saying um yeah i'm looking forward to five nights of freddy's yeah, though same like it's we had a lot of horror movies to choose from for our halloween episode and this one feels like the one that we can I think this was the most interesting one to dive into. Yeah, we'll see. Whether it's good or not, we'll see. But it's either gonna be you know, really good I, or really bad. Yeah. I think there's some talent behind it. It has some intrigue to it. It's based on a popular IP. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um but yeah, if you want more from us, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, our YouTube, Facebook, uh X. Wait, what? 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 I, I screwed it up again. Hold on, me, I got. I got to start over. Uh, if you want more from, <laughs> if you want more from us, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, our YouTube, Facebook, Threads, 
uh, TikTok page at Box Office Bingers and our X page at Box Office Binger without the S. Man, we're we're everywhere. Yeah. We're in a whole bunch of places. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta write I gotta write this stuff down, man, because <laughs> I keep forgetting every episode. It's like we're on. Uh, what what's uh, that app again that we're on? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the YouTube <laughs> and the Instagrams? <laughs> Uh, get it together, yeah, old man. You know, I'm you know, the old one here. Can you, I, 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 you're, right. you're not supposed to laugh at me. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's funny. not funny. It's not. It's not. I'm very sensitive. I'm very sensitive about my age. Hey, you have a you're young spirited. I am. That. I am. I'm. A, I am a child at heart. Obviously, look at look there at this room go. for those yeah. who are watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well there you go thank you for each and every one of you for listening to us talk about this just just have fun just talking about movies really do appreciate it come back next week for more movie fun you're not going to regret it and for that I've been your host Matt Ernesto Santos see ya